Hello and many thanks for joining me on Search for Truth. I'm thrilled to have your company. Today, as usual, our Bible teacher, Brian Johnston, is with us with another Bible talk about family relationships and family values. The talk today he's called Parents Behaving Well. I'm a grandparent with three grandchildren so far, and uh, to quote another grandparent, if I'd known grandchildren were so enjoyable, I'd have had them first. And the reason why grandparents and their grandchildren get on so well is because they have a common enemy. But uh, joking aside, however, uh, bringing up children successfully is an onerous responsibility and we only get one go at it with each child. Like me, Brian, who you're going to hear in a minute, he has two children grown up and although we can share in our own experiences, failures and successes, it's invaluable to see the principles and values given to us by God in his word, the Bible. And that's where we go with Brian's talk for today. Yes, as you say, John, we've been talking about raising children, perhaps the biggest issue in family life. Someone once gave a talk with the title, How to Raise Your Children. Then the speaker himself had children of his own, and the title of the talk changed to the more modest, Some Suggestions to Parents. The next time he gave it, the title had again changed. Now it was Feeble Hints to Fellow Strugglers. And finally it became Anyone out there got a few words of wisdom? It's a daunting subject, one in which we have to acknowledge our need to lean not on our own understanding, but on God and to trust in his word. The Bible is actually full of recorded family experiences. How well Daniel's parents had moulded his value system in years of early training so that he could stand firm and loyal to his principles when he suddenly found himself in a big city and in a foreign culture surrounded by lots of temptations. On the other hand, from the stories of David and Eli, we can observe the effects of professional neglect on family life. There's a real danger in parents being overcommitted outside the home and as a result not being available to give consistent input to their child's training. Sometimes rich, successful parents sit by their garden swimming pools and wonder why their son or daughter prefers to live in squalor down in a nearby commune. Maybe they feel more valued there. Parents can be preoccupied with providing a degree of lifestyle where material things take over. No amount of material things can compensate for an absent dad or mum. What price the rough and tumble a toddler has with his dad, building rapport which can be cashed in on later. The Bible perspective can be found in Psalm 127. Children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. In the ups and downs of daily domestic bliss, this is a healthy reminder that children are a precious gift from God, a trust given into our charge, and our supreme task is to equip them to hit the mark in divine service. Job's a shining example to us of the need to pray for our kids lifelong. Job chapter 1 tells us he offered sacrifices regularly just in case any of his children had sinned against God. Some parents even have a day of prayer and fasting each week for their kids, seeking God's guidance for them in their careers and relationships. As well as like Job in being conscious of his children's shortcomings, 
We can also ask God to help us in our own shortcomings as parents. We can regularly request that he'll compensate for our weaknesses and failings in a way that will ensure those young charges he's entrusted to us won't be damaged in any way, and we'll especially want to ask him to preserve them from the evil influences of the world, won't we? Yes, prayer is so vital. As our children get older, the challenges increase. There can be a tendency for a parent to wish to fulfil his or her own dreams through the children rather than let them be what they want to be and be what they are suited for. And sometimes our own youthful and reckless experiences can fill us with quite unjustified suspicions and fears about their intentions as they become more independent. I wonder if at least a part of Saul's jealousy of David might have been due to his frustration that it wasn't his own son Jonathan who defeated the giant and led the army out to battle. It seems clear that we need to let children find their own niche and encourage them at what they're naturally good at. Jephthah, of whom we read in Judges chapter 11, is an example of someone who didn't fit in at home. In fact, he was driven out of the family home. What a tragedy, for he quickly got in with the wrong crowd, who gave him the kind of acceptance and esteem he never enjoyed at home. It's sad today to talk to young people who've effectively been driven from their home by well-meaning but misunderstanding parents. It would break their heart to realise that their son or daughter's foolish behaviour, which they find so hurtful, was due in part at least to their mismatched expectations or unrealistic ambitions for their child. It's really good to read through the Bible's family histories with a parent's eye and a heart that's open to learn from the bad examples as well as the good. We can see the bad results of favouritism from Isaac and Rebecca's family. We need to be open to all God can teach us through his word in these days when the prevailing idea of secularism, the attitude of being sceptical of religious instruction, and the idea of relativism, the notion that there are no absolute values, rights or wrongs, as well as the idea of individualism, the put-yourself-first mentality, when all three of these ideas conspire together to put the family unit so much at risk. God's wisdom for family life may not always be fashionable, but it's never dated. A growing body of social research shows that such things as two-parent families, marital fidelity, fatherhood and parental authority, together with faith in God, are all highly beneficial factors in the well-being of families today. And no wonder, for that's what the Bible teaches. I wonder if we might consider, those of us who are parents at any rate, resolving to be more authentic Christians, starting with our family life. For that seems to be the next point, Paul's fifth point, when he comes to it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and now verse 10. He says there, you are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behaved toward you believers. Did you notice how Paul lived? Devoutly, justly and blamelessly. And that was no empty boast, for he was holding himself accountable to others and God and calling on them as witnesses. Remember, this is all in the context of the apostles parent-like care for those believers at Thessalonica who were his spiritual children. What this points up for us 
is the value of every parent living a spiritually genuine life before their children, and spouse too for that matter. Remembering what we said earlier about our actions weighing more than our words, and about how quick children are to see inconsistencies in us, we need to make sure that all we say is fully matched and exemplified by our own actions in, say, the handling of money and possessions, and the way we conduct our business life relative to the priority matter of our service for the Lord, and so on. It won't do if our children see us compromising our standards, or applying double standards, or just cutting corners. We need to be seen by them to be authentic. There's a simple little poem that sums up a lot of what we're saying, I noticed it hanging on the wall of a house I was visiting in Scotland, and I copied it down, for it was around the time of our own family coming along. This is what it says. A careful one I want to be, a little fellow follows me. I dare not care to go astray, for fear he'll go the selfsame way. I cannot once escape his eyes, what he sees me do he tries. Like me, he says he wants to be that little chap that follows me. He thinks that I am big and fine. He believes in every word of mine. The base in me he must not see, that little chap that follows me. I must remember as I go, through summer sun and winter snow, I'm building for the years to be that little chap who follows me. We've thought previously about the woman in the family, from the point of view of Proverbs chapter 31. Now it would be good to look at the man in the family, as viewed in Psalm 112. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light arises in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious and compassionate and righteous. It is well with the man who is gracious and lends. He will maintain his cause in judgment, for he will never be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. He will not fear evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. He has given freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. With its emphasis on the qualities of being God-fearing, righteous and upright, the description of this man about the house fits very well with Paul's description in 1 Thessalonians. Remember the stress on a devout, just and blameless lifestyle? But how can this form of spiritual authenticity come about? How can we better ensure that our domestic lives are like this? What was the very first thing said about the man in Psalm 112? How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Surely this is the heart of the matter and is cultivated by spending time daily as a family around the open Bible in the home, perhaps at the meal table. Not that we should attempt to impart eternal truths to youngsters in unending devotions. No, we need to be fairly brief, illustrative, and ready with relevant applications for their age level. What can be better for the family unit than if, after the homespun chat across the meal table, we bring our family matters to God? Here the genuine Christianity of parents can and will be proved 
as we bring our family decisions and problems before God, and then thank him together for his help once we receive it. God will be seen to be real in our lives and not just a topic in church. The parent's authentic example will set a foundational example for the children's lifestyle, one in which it will be natural to talk about God and to talk to God. Maybe you say, that's not been our habit. Well, why not resolve to begin this new thing? Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a life. As usual, I remind you there's a free book which accompanies this series. It's a digital e-book unless you specify a hard copy. And it can be yours if you write in by post or email. Just ask for Vital Home Truths. And as I say, you can do it by post or by email. And here's our postal address first. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wooten Bassett, Swindon SN48DY UK and our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info Well that's almost all we have this time but it's been great to enjoy your company. Thanks again for your interest and I hope you're enjoying these talks and I look forward to you joining me again next week if you're able but until then it's cheerio, very best wishes from Brian, David and me, John. So see you soon, and may God richly bless you. When